Everybody that you meet, you can learn something from them. It's not necessarily what you achieve in life that matters most, but it's who you become in the process of those achievements that really matters. We all need people who believe in us. They expand the boundaries we place on our own lives. What makes me most proud is how I played the game. Being real, authentic, and spontaneous, and loving the game, to me, is what it was all about. When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Welcome to The Mission. Hi, I'm George Veras. As you know, we call the show The Mission because our mission at the Pro Football of Fame is to honor the heroes of the game, preserve its history, promote its values, and celebrate excellence everywhere. And we are honored to have, with the all-time great sports directors with us, Mike Arnold. Mike Arnold will be directing his fifth Super Bowl this year down in Atlanta. And Mike, thank you for joining us here on The Mission at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Happy to be here, George. Five times are going to be the fifth time. Can you take us through the first four and what it's been like as you go through each one uh, for our listeners to hear and see uh, what you have grown with on this event and how the event has grown? When was the first one you did? The first one I did was Super Bowl 44 in Miami. Uh, I'm sorry, it was Super Bowl 41, I think, in Miami. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Indianapolis and Chicago. And I remember some advice John Madden gave me. He just said, you know, I hope they come out and go one, two, three and punt or just get a first down. It's your first one. It just gives you a chance to get your shorts on straight. Well, the opening kickoff, Devin Hester of the Bears ran it back for a touchdown. <laughs> and how was it after that? Butterflies yeah, well, gone? Exactly. Before I could get my shorts on straight, there was Devin Hester. Oh, my so that God. was Super Bowl Forty One. Then 44 was also in Miami. That was uh, Indianapolis and New Orleans. And Indy was driving down the field with Peyton Manning. And I thought they were going to tie the game. We were going to go to overtime. But Tracy Porter of the Saints intercepted the ball and ran it back. And that was the Saints' uh, Super Bowl win with Drew Brees and Sean Payton with the gutsy move on the onside kick. Mm. Uh, Super Bowl 47 was my third, and that was the Battle of the Harbaugh Brothers in New Orleans. And probably the most famous thing about that was when the lights went out in the middle of the game. Yeah, I'll follow up quickly with a story with that. Uh, I was at the game. I've been going to the Super Bowl since I came here to the hall in 2009, outside of the ones I did with uh, CBS. And uh, Kim and I, my wife, and uh, the Arnolds, and... Uh, the Verises have been close friends for many years. We'll get into that later. We were sitting in the stands, and when those lights went out, I picked my wife up and said, we are leaving. And I wasn't so worried about that blackout, but I was worried about if a second one would happen and what would ensue. They did have the emergency lights on, and actually uh, Showtime did a great job with Frank Sapovitz in the control room trying to maneuver and manipulate that with great shots of then Lance Barrow in the truck with you by the side as you guys uh, reacted well to that. Take our listeners and viewers through what that sequence was like during that uh, temporary blackout. Boy, that was surreal because I'd look at the monitor wall and all of a sudden all the cameras would just go black. 
so we had about I think we had about six eight cameras left and uh, we were just flying by the seat of our pants trying to get interviews and trying to ascertain what was wrong and when they were going to start playing the game again and was that the first time you've ever been in a situation like that in your long career yeah that's the first and thankfully so far the only time that anything like that has ever happened wow and then your four Super Bowls in San Francisco. Right, that was Super Bowl 50. Uh, Caroline in Denver, Peyton Manning uh, riding off into the sunset. And uh, what I remember, we, we came on the air, and that was when the NFL really did a good job. They they honored the 50 living Super Bowl MVPs, or the MVPs from the previous 49 Super Bowls who were still alive and that was a, a real treat how we came on the air like that and then uh, to finish up the game with Peyton winning uh, the Super Bowl was really special yeah we actually supported that effort with the NFL uh, we have our Super Bowl luncheon which takes place on Friday and we had all 50 there 33 of them are Hall of Famers um, and uh, we set the ramp for that and we did it actually the uh, next year later when they rolled out the historic black college uh, athletes for the different 51 years and uh, many of those athletes are also gold jackets and now we actually house the black college hall of fame here and we're going to do a hall of fame uh, black college kickoff classic starting september 1st and then move their induction ceremonies here to canton as we build a whole new wing for the black college football hall of fame so this brings us to this year in Atlanta, and you've got Jim Nance, this is Tony Romo's first one. You've got the five now with this game. Uh, for Jimmy, what's that, about 10 or 11? Jim's been involved in so many of them, whether he was the uh, pregame show host all the way up until play-by-play, uh, -play. so I think this will be Jim's fifth uh, as the play-by-play -play voice of the Super Bowl. Wow, so same as Mike Arnold directing. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, um, tell us about the camera configuration, because you and I were talking about that earlier today. And it's very interesting, starting with the pylon cams, what's at your disposal? If you would walk us through that, I think that'd be fascinating for our listeners. Well, obviously, we've got, we've got a lot of cameras. And the pylon cameras, I think, have really caught on with the fans. People like the view there from inside the pylon. And each pylon has four cameras in it uh, one that shoots for example the goal line pylons one that shoots up the sideline towards the 10 then we've got a uh, a camera that shoots down the goal line across the goal line and we've got a second camera that shoots it a little bit tighter so at the Super Bowl if a play happens towards the middle of the field hopefully that'll give us a little better view and then we've got a camera in that goal line pylon that shoots down uh, the the boundary of the end zone. So four in each pylon, and then we've got four at, on the back pylons, on the back line, one that shoots up towards the goal line, mm. two that shoot, again, across the back line of the end zone, one a little wider, one a little tighter, and then one that shoots directly straight up. So each pylon has four cameras, and there are eight pylons. So there's 32 cameras right there that we've wow. got at our disposal. And what are the other cameras that you have to complement the 32? 
we've got our regular play-by-play cameras at the you know, 25, 50, 25. Uh, we've got the high end zone cameras, carts that roll up and down the sidelines on both sidelines of the field, a bunch of handheld cameras, uh, you know, for the bench shots, bench reaction shots and things like that. Uh, we've got some cameras at the 50 that will just be uh, isolated on who the key players of the game we think will be. Obviously, we don't know who's in the game yet, so we'll pick uh, and choose once we know the teams. And uh, we've got some specialty cameras, some 8K cameras suspended on the roof that'll be shooting straight down uh, into the end zone and can be wide enough to see up to the 20-yard line that we'll be able to zoom in on. If there's a a play in the end zone, we can blow it up and hopefully the resolution will look really clear and might be an interesting look for us. First time anybody's ever used 8K cameras on the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what the press release says. So describe how you sort out what you have to look at and then how you use other replay directors to help you in terms of assigning them various groups of cameras because as you know we both know you can't watch all 60 plus at the same time as much, as good as you are so how do you sort of sort that out using your replay directors yeah i've kind of got my main cameras in front of me in the monitor wall and i try to treat it as close to a regular game as i can uh, i think you can get in trouble if you decide, oh, let's get camera 59 on the air or something like that. Mm-hmm. I try to direct it pretty close to a regular game, maybe once in a while trying to add a specialty shot in. And the other cameras, like we talked about, pylon cameras, cameras that shoot uh, in straight down on the end zone, they're really just for replays. And we've got three replay directors who have the cameras divvied up and they're in charge of various angles, whether it's in the end zone or uh, the sideline boundaries. And those guys sort out and tell us what the best replay is. And really, Jim Rickoff and Ryan Galvin, Jim's the producer and Ryan Galvin's the replay producer. Ultimately, they decide what replays go on the air and they just tell me, go to red or X or blue and and I go to it. They're they're the ones who are key about getting the replays on the air. I worry about the live cameras. Got it. What's your week like at Super Bowl week? Uh, When do you get to town and how do the days break down leading up to the telecast? I'm going to get there probably on Saturday or Sunday of the the week before and just try to relax and, and and breathe a little bit and enjoy the city uh monday i'll go to the uh the media night at the super bowl you know super bowl monday night and and watch that and enjoy it tuesday's a cbs press conference and i like to hear what sean mcmanus our chairman and david burson our president have to say uh harold ryan our coordinating producer and steve karasik uh those guys are there jim nance tony romo tracy wilson Evan Washburn. I'd like to hear what the announcers have to say. Uh, I think Jim Rickoff, the producer, and I'll be there as well. But most of the questions are obviously for the announcers and our management. Uh, So that's Tuesday. Wednesday, we'll meet with one team. Thursday, we'll meet with another team and watch the practices. 
Uh, Friday, we'll actually have a rehearsal at the stadium at the Mercedes-Benz uh, dome there. And we'll, we'll rehearse America the Beautiful, the National Anthem, the Walter Payton Man of the Year, uh, the coin toss, the team introductions. And then we'll actually have a high school team come out and uh, play a game for about half an hour or 45 minutes and look at various shots. It gives the video guys a chance to see what the lighting looks like, if there are any last-minute tweaks. We get to rehearse some of the replays uh, with the goal line, with the boundaries, uh, looking at those 8K cameras to see how they look. Is that something we want to get on the air? Uh, So that'll be Friday, Saturday. Normally the announcers uh, meet with the officials, and I go to the stadium for any last-minute... uh, tweaks and then Sunday we, we do the game when do you have your camera meeting I'll probably have my camera meeting Thursday afternoon at least the first camera meeting Thursday afternoon uh, before we do the high school game on Friday so everybody has their assignments and then we may have another camera meeting on Saturday to tweak anything that, that we see from Friday's game you have a core group that's with you doing, during the season. How many men are those? How many cameramen do you have? We normally have about 12 traveling CBS cameramen with me every week. And for the Super Bowl, we'll probably travel about 35 cameramen, and then we'll use 5 to 10 locals in Atlanta. Uh, so we obviously ramp it up and I try to reward the camera people who've worked for CBS the entire season not on my crew but maybe uh, uh, other crews that CBS uses I mean we might have six, seven games a weekend so those core people who work on those other games I try to reward them and and have them use the Super Bowl they're all great camera people so I want them to enjoy it as well You're also in charge of putting the graphics on the air in addition, like you say, you're calling the live shots. So what kind of uh, activity is back there? Do they do any special graphics? Is there another machine outside of the standard ones you used for a game during the Super Bowl? Yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have our regular two graphics machines and maybe a third, which will just have big full-page graphics or animated graphics to look at. And... The young people who uh, are the production people with those machines, Brian Marr and Adam Cohen, uh, that's how I started. That was my first job in graphics back in in the the black and white television days. (laughs) Uh, Those guys do a good job of selling me, and basically I just, I put them in when I feel like it's appropriate, and if it's a big, what I would call specialty graphic or full page, I'll ask Jim Rickoff, the producer, if he wants it there, and then he can lead the announcers to it. Or Jim will say, hey, if nothing happens after this play, we're going to show you this full-page graphic on the last five Super Bowl winners or something like that. When you speak of in the black and white day, it wasn't quite black and white, and that's when we first met. And that was the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, when you and Mark Wolf were the graphic associates uh, in the uh, cold cabine next to the research room where I was working and uh, organizing the room and writing scripts for Jim McKay in the studio show. And I talk uh, quite a bit with our staff here about 
uh, how cold it was in that cabin for you guys, that you guys were, uh, you know, Arizona, California guys. Uh, you were dressed and bundled up. And uh, how I had two monitors above me to see the uh, pre-graphic and the graphic. And the famous, if you probably remember Joe Assetti's story, he was the associate director in the studio with the East German and West German flag. Do you recall that? I do remember that. <laughs> so why don't you tell our audience that? Well, I, I think they I think they had the wrong flag for either East Germany and West Germany, and, and somebody said, you know, that's the wrong that's the wrong flag. That's not East Germany. And Joe said, now it is. <laughs> See, Kara, it's exactly like I told you. I remember that story as if it was yesterday. You know, and you know, stuff, yeah, so do I. Yeah, and from that association, uh, Mike and I were both uh, blessed to be able to get full-time jobs at CBS Sports. I came aboard in April of '81. When did you join? I came aboard February February of '81. Right, and so I think you and I first worked together. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I remember when you worked with me in the NFL today, but were you, you were involved with CBS Sports Saturday Sports Sunday, right? Yes. Right. So CBS Sports Sunday was an anthology show, and we would call it boxing and something else. Uh, it was a 90-minute show for both Saturday and Sunday. CBS did not have rights to the major packages like they have today. They did not have the NCAA tournament. Uh, they had the NFL. Um, but we used to have to fill. Uh, if the boxing match went down in round one, we'd have some backup boxing uh, on tape. But a lot of times we were creating programming for the studio show, an opening news package and a closing news package at the end of the day. And that was very, very challenging to create our own original programming and to create graphics on the fly as the tapes were coming up from upstairs to get them on. And we were editing in tapes we couldn't even see, which was two inch tape, which was basically in black downstairs that you could only see after you beeped it and edited it. You remember that day? I do remember those days. It's 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 changed quite a bit now. Yeah, everything's digital, which is just terrific. So, what do you recall when you were working on the NFL today? Some of the highlights in those studios with Brent, Jimmy, Irv, and Phyllis. Uh, the biggest thing I remember is the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, and Ted Shaker sent me out to produce. Uh, the skit Dub Bears, which was very popular on Saturday Night Live, and uh, Ted Shaker had—I mean, Chris Farley came out, the late Chris Farley, George Wentz, Robert Smigel, wow. uh, who was the writer and one of the characters, and Ted said, "Your job is is to produce this and, and direct it." So I remember calling up Chris Chris Farley and said introduced to myself and he said hey come on over and uh come to the hotel room and we'll chat or whatever and uh i met chris farley and then we taped the sh taped the skit probably ran th two three minutes and i had all the cameras isolated so i didn't have to really make a live cut like they do on saturday night live i just went back into the edit room and put it together and uh that's what i really remember from the NFL today, and then 
in the 84 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 18. Right, Raider, Raiders and Redskins in Tampa. Right, Raiders right. and Redskins. I went out and did four features on a uh, on Lyle Alzado, Tom Flores, Joe Gibbs, and uh, I think we did George Stark also at that time. Right, Columbia grad. Yep. Yeah, Columbia grad. Well, you can tell Mike Arnold has an incredible memory bank, and it's interesting in the television community that uh, we have been a part of for so long, Mike longer than myself, how you can just bring back those and you remember them as you begin and how clear it is, but yet we forget things like sometimes anniversary and birthdays, which gets us in trouble with both of our wives. Uh, although we really work hard at trying to make sure we've got that locked into our phones now, right, colleague? Exactly, George. You got to have an understanding partner who knows that we're going to be working on Sundays if they fall at Christmas or New Year's or Thanksgiving on a Thursday, and you're going to go to a lot of family gatherings without us. Yep, and we are very blessed to have Renee Arnold and Kim Barris, who are actually very, very close friends as we are with uh, Mike's son and our sons and our family as well. You know, um, the thing about sports is people don't realize that you have to go through a really long apprenticeship. Tell everybody how many years and what levels it took you to get to this point. I started in 1977, I think, doing uh, press type, like a luncheonette. Uh, it was called Back Leaderboard on ABC Golf. And there was a still black and white camera, and I would put the letters together, you know, Jack Nicholas, J A C K, and then <laughs> minus eight. And I and it went only to the producer, so the producer could see, you know, in the days before computers, really, he could see where the leaders were on the course and who to cover. So I did that, and uh, instead of I went to Arizona State, instead of going to parties on the weekend, I would drive to L.A. for the L.A. Open or drive up to Las Vegas for a big fight or the Alan King Tennis Classic, and I started doing that and uh, became friends with David Dinkins Jr., who was a production assistant at ABC Sports, who used me uh, on Monday Night Baseball, and he would fly me around and uh, put me up in a hotel, and I had meal money. Prior to that, when I did the golf, I made $25 a day, and mm. it was about 10 10 hours of work, so I guess I was making two fifty an hour. Wow, wow! And then when you got the job at CBS, it was a broadcast associate. How many times? You said mainly he was really in charge of the graphics. How many years did you work on that? Well, I was lucky. Terry O'Neill hired me. Basically, he had interviewed David Dinkins and Peter Lasser from ABC Sports, and they both said you should hire Mike Arnold to start your broadcast associate program. And, and Terry took a shot and hired me. And luckily, I started in February of 81, and we did the Super Bowl in January of 82, Super Bowl 16, right. San Francisco and Cincinnati. Terry produced it. Sandy Grossman directed it. And after the game, Terry promoted me to associate director. So hmm. people now sometimes, they might be broadcast associates for three or four years. It was 11 months for me. I was very, very lucky. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it happened that fast. I had forgotten that. So how many years were you in AD? I was in AD about probably 
full time about five years and then a, a quasi producer director ad for another three uh you know while finally i got a chance to be a a full-time producer and then they made me a full-time director uh around 1989 hmm. and what was your first big directing assignment my first directing assignment i remember was the green bay packers at the la raiders at the coliseum it was blacked out in los angeles oh. so basically it went to the state of wisconsin <laughs> which is about four, probably four percent of the country so i think terry o'neill figured if i screwed it up not many people would see me see it yeah you know people don't realize that of those eight nfl games very few of them go to a majority of the country that are sliced up in different markets which is a great training ground for young producers and directors to start out with before they go into more exposure and, and more markets as it goes along. Mike, what is the thing that you love about what you do? Well, I, I probably wouldn't want to tell CBS this, but I love going to work every day. Right. I mean, I can't believe they pay me to do the job that I do. Right. Uh, you know, with technology, it'll slowly change, but I love the routine of football that we go out to practice on Friday of the home team and we watch practice and meet with the players and coaches. Then we meet the visiting team on Saturday at their hotel and meet with the players and coaches and, and then direct the game on Sunday. Monday, I watch the game I just did. Tuesday, I start preparing for next week's game. I memorize the names and numbers of the home team and watch their game. Uh, Wednesday, I do the visiting team memorize name and names and numbers, watch their game. And then Thursday, I'm in the office making sure the crew is right and I've got all the facilities I'm, I think I'm supposed to have and then fly out Thursday night or Friday morning and do it all over again. So they say 90% of America hates to go to work. I love to go to work. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to get into the business of sports production at a whether it's cable today or national level? I would say take any job that you can get. Uh, you know, somehow get your foot in the door, uh, whether you're working for the local local cable company, if you start out as a gopher, you know, go for this, go for that, or a runner as I did on, a, on an ESPN show or on a, on a broadcast show at NBC or Fox or CBS, uh, and just... Do whatever you can to to try to establish yourself and uh, work hard and try to do as many shows as you can. I think that was a big key for me that, again, on the weekends in college, I went to Arizona State, that instead of uh, going out on the weekend, I was driving to L.A. or Las Vegas and, and doing a UCLA-USC football game or, or a fight and working as much as I can meeting as many people as I could and it worked out well for me. Well, Mike Arnold, thank you very much for sharing this great download for our, our viewers and fans. It's a fascinating business. Uh, you are a, a true professional. You're a great friend. Your passion for the game, uh, for the work that you do, I think comes through on the screen. Uh, not just because I worked at CBS from 81 to 94 but because uh, being still an avid viewer and watcher and lover of sports television, 
there's just no question that you and Jim Rickoff will be talking to later, and I know it's a whole team that you have to have, but you guys lead that team in being in sync uh, and make it really a top-of-the-line, entertaining, enjoyable, and educational telecast in the finest tradition of sports television. By the way, I was on uh, was at CBS Sports Network, and I mentioned to the programmers there that I think you guys have already won. Uh, I know you won an Emmy last year. I think you've already won one this year for what was done when uh, you were taking shots of the Steelers watching the Ravens in that game. That, to me, is the essence of really what live production is. Uh, you can format only so much, but it's how you react to the unexpected and amplify it that to me is that level of greatness, and I really think you guys are going to win an Emmy next year. No, thanks, George. Very kind of you to say. Like you say, it's it's a great team that we've got. All the technical people, and you know, there's nobody better than Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson, and we get great support from our management. So thanks very much. Looking forward to seeing Atlanta. Thank you so much. It's Mike Arnold, the director for the CBS Sports Super Bowl, his fifth time out. Thank you for being today here on the Mission, Mike. Appreciate it. And we're looking forward to having you come back and visit us at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the most inspiring place on earth. Thanks, George.